just in general, they're having a tough time trying to navigate these <laughs> this river. Boats capsize more than once. Um, they, they go shooting off of waterfalls. Um, so you definitely get the sense that they're a little in over their heads. and welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. We are so glad to have you in with us for No Script for another episode, another conversation, and another themed month. Yes, we are on episode two of our themed month, or our second conversation of themed month. Um, uh, last week, we had a, a great kind of uh, return to a conversation. I should probably say before I talk about last week, the themed month, if you're just tuning in uh, at this moment, is new chats, old scripts. Um, second week of theme month, and we finally got it. <laughs> we nailed it that time. <laughs> Didn't decrease my doubt as I was saying it, but I did say it correctly. Um, we are returning to uh, scripts uh, from uh, past seasons and past conversations that we've had, but with new perspectives on the scripts, whether that's last week we did Dinner with Friends, and uh, Jacob had the chance to direct that just a couple months ago, so we had a great conversation about that production and some of the discoveries that she all made. Um, this week, we're talking about Men on Boats by Jacqueline Bacchus again. Um, uh, we did that, I believe, two seasons ago, so pretty pretty recently in the in the scope of No Scripts uh, conversations. But the kind of new perspective that we're going to be talking about today is a new scene that was published for the play. Yeah, that, I think that's the major sort of change to the script that's happened. But another thing that I think will also be interesting for us to talk about in this short abbreviated time is since we had that conversation on men on boats, this play has exploded. Yeah. I mean, like back when we first got the script, it was like one of our patrons was interested in us doing it. It was our first sponsored episode. I think it was at that time, it was probably more known than we realized, but it it, it was still a, a relatively lesser known play or, or it was still coming into its prominence. I'll say it maybe that way. But in these years, since it's been published now, like, would you, what, I think six years since the original Playwrights Horizons production or something, it has just swept the nation. Yeah. Everybody yeah. is doing this play. Yeah, you know, it's for, for a lot of great reasons, it's got so many great things in it, so many great, like, imaginative ways to engage the script. Also, like, when we had the conversation two seasons ago, that's, like, uh, amidst COVID. That's <laughs> amidst true. theaters yeah. trying to figure out, like, how to do plays again. And, and, uh, and, and the, we, 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 we had the conversation around it. And, and there's, there's been this kind of cool, uh, a resurgency, uh, of theater. And as, as they've been, uh, as as more plays are being able to put on now, this play has certainly found its stride amidst those plays being produced. Excited to have the chance to kind of re-engage it with that in the context. Yeah, well, it's just, it's so fun to re-talk about plays. I think we learned that last week as our sort of trial foray yeah. into this conversations together was like, 
uh, oh yeah, we did talk about that the last time, and and I really feel strongly now, having had this experience. Uh, on the front end, I'll say that I'm actually preparing to direct Men on Boats for the University of Montana uh, in, in the spring. I don't, and I won't inform our conversation too much because we're we haven't started any work on it really at this point at the point of recording. So uh, it's just something that kind of came onto our radar. It is, however, how we discovered the new scene. When the school uh, purchased the rights to do Men on Boats, along with the rights came a note that said, hey, here's this new scene. It replaces a scene from the original script. And then the new published versions that we were sent have the new scene inserted in place of the old scene. And we will, I'm sure, talk about what that is and uh, the changes and the interesting sort of uh, new perspective it offers uh, when we get there. Before then, however... Everybody who hasn't already done it, please consider checking out our Patreon page. That is patreon.com slash no script podcast. Again, patreon.com slash no script podcast, all one word, no hyphens, no underscores. Easiest way to find us is there. That's where you can become a supporter of the show. Our patrons who are over there supporting us monthly are the folks that make this podcast able to happen. We love to do it. It's a great part of our lives, but it is, boy, not free to do. And we <laughs> would just not be able to do it. Let alone, the time commitment alone of a weekly podcast on a new script every week, uh, besides the fact that we got to somehow get access to all these scripts, there's podcast hosting fees, there's equipment, all this stuff that makes a podcast, uh, in this way at least, not free to do. Do. Uh, and, and the folks on Patreon help to make that happen for us so that we can make that happen for you all. It's a lovely little community, a lovely little way of supporting each other. And so we are so grateful to the folks on Patreon who've decided to support us. If you haven't yet, check it out. There's a monthly tier that you choose. The tiers start at $1 a month. That's very affordable, we feel like, $12 across the course of a year. As I love to say, I know many folks out there who if there was just like somebody on the street that was like, hey, can I have $12? They'd be like, sure, here's $12. So that just $12 for a year is the lowest level at which you can support us. And at that level, you get gain access to the stuff that we're doing over on Patreon. You may want to check it out. One of the biggest benefits is pre-warning, sort of earlier notification of what scripts that we're covering, but there's other stuff going on over there. You can check that out. There are higher tiers if you can afford it, but we are grateful to everybody at all the tiers for what they are doing to support NoScript and to make NoScript happen. So one final time, if you haven't checked it out, please do patreon.com slash podcast. Yes, thank you all so much. Thanks to our patrons. We will see you over there. And now, and now ah, you got it. You got it. You got it. Go ahead. Now back to the script. Wow, <laughs> we should go back and check. When's the last time? Have I done it I all it season? Like se- do you think? I think it was a season ago. The last time that I said that. Yeah. Wow, big moment. Big, <laughs> big moment. moment. Big moment. <laughs> So this is normally the part of the show where we would uh, kind of offer a brief uh, context and synopsis for the script. We've already done that for this script, and we're trying to keep these conversations a little bit more condensed um, and kind of get straight to the conversation itself and jump into the, the kind of new perspective that we have. So good news is that we already did the synopsis and the context for this script. It was back in episode seven of season seven. You'll find the link to that episode down in the description notes for this uh, this episode. So you can, if you want to kind of get 
get on the same page again. Uh, you can real quick go listen to the first like five, ten minutes of that particular podcast, and uh, we'll do the synopsis and context there. But for now, we're going to be jumping right into the conversation around men on boats. Great. So, Jackson, where do you want to start? Should we talk about the new scene, or should we talk about the incredible popularity? Both of which are definitely a new perspective for us compared to when we talked about this play the first time. We felt like we were sort of, hey, folks, there's this cool script out there called Men on Boats, if you haven't heard of it. Theaters, <laughs> if you're you're looking for a certain kind of script that has a lot of roles for non-male presenting folks, that has uh, a lot of roles for for people who aren't white, for, that has a lot of interesting things to say about history, a fun adventure, a lot of flexibility in tech. If you're looking for a script with all that stuff, there's the script called Men on Boats. And right. let me be clear, not because of us, but right. because right, of right, how right. incredible the script is, it has just, I mean, exploded. So I think those yeah. are the sort of the two, our two avenues of entry for this abbreviated follow-up. Yeah, I think the explosion is a good starting point because uh, I think just talking about the merits of this script one more time, we did a good chunk of that last time, but the merits of this script are just so profound. Um, there's just so much about it that makes it such an exciting experience, and I think it's really captivated a lot of uh, both production companies because it's a compelling script to get the chance to work on um, for a lot of reasons, but also uh, a lot of uh, um, uh, audiences who get to see this play. It's 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 a visceral script. It's a script that kind of adapts your perspective a little bit, makes you think about things that maybe you only touched on in history class or you maybe didn't interact with all that often. It, it kind of brings you back to that. And I th we made the comparison of uh, back in back in the other episode about like kind of a, a revisionist history Hamilton-esque sort of re-look at a historical moment in a fresh context. And that sort of thing is a very compelling thing for an audience to get to interact with. No, I think it, it it has this combination of being – actually, I still think in a similar way that Hamilton does uh, effectively of being really fun and interesting while having a fairly salient point to make. And I think those yeah. two things are hard to overlap. I, I, Man on Boats is so effective and as I'm preparing to direct it, I am realizing that sort of the task laid out is so effective at being an adventure story. Yeah. I mean, a story of near starvation, a story of danger around every twist in the river. I mean, it is like a big time adventure story, a la Treasure Planet. Uh, sure, or Treasure sure. Island is really what I meant to say. But I, I instead <laughs> I said Planet Treasure too. Planet because it's way better than Treasure Island. <laughs> That's the hottest take we've ever said on the podcast. Wow. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't seen Treasure Planet, that movie's so good. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it has that sort of like visceral, you're, I mean, depending on how you stage it, there's like, there's boats involved and there's four different boats and they're all going down a river together. Um, there's this, this, and, and, and kind of long scenes of trying to navigate whirlpools and waterfalls and, and, and uh, the kind of full court press of even when you're on land, there's snakes involved and there's all these like interpersonal problems that you're trying to navigate um and and the kind of question of starvation when do you
you give up? When do you keep going? Is it even worth it to keep going? I'm, I'm excited to kind of land on that just a little bit heavier, a little later in the conversation, probably. Um, but is it even worth it to keep pushing um, in, the, in the context of, of, of this sort of frontier? You can't see my air quotes, but the, the, this frontier that they're trying to explore. Yeah, well, and it's just, I, I think that's one of the reasons why Men on Boats has become so attractive is that while you're, as, as a production company, you can say, I, I want to say this thing. I want to, or maybe more, more accurately, I want to engage in this conversation about the history of our country, about the nature of manifest destiny, about the kind of stories we tell, about the feeling that white people discovered something that indigenous people had been living in and amongst for, you know, how hundreds, thousands of years. We want to be involved in that conversation about the history of our country. But at the same time, we want our audiences to come and experience something that is fun. And, and Hamilton is fun in that way and has some of those conversations in it. And Men on Boats, I think, is a really effective combination of an engaging experience and on the edge of your seats, a laugh out loud, a uh, uh, just a, a rollicking adventure story. While at the same time, you get to be part of these conversations that the whole country is having due to other things that are going on. Yeah, yeah, it, it welcomes you into the conversation, makes it uh, makes it something that you know, you know, fifty to two hundred and fifty people can all watch together and have have an experience of together, and then go out and have conversations about it afterwards, like we're doing today. So, so, so yeah. Side, it, side note about the adventure story part of it. So, in preparation to direct the play, I read uh, "Down the Great Unknown." I'm sorry, I don't have the author's name in front of me. I should have, but I don't. But it's great, great book, and it is the one of the um, books that is an account of this whole journey. And this particular book is based on uh, journals from all of the men uh, who were involved in the trip. And it, and it sort of tells the story. And one thing you learn about these adventurers is that they had absolutely no clue what they were doing. Like <laughs> virtually none of them had any river running experience at all. They were hunters and trappers from from out east, and like they they weren't boat people. In fact, they brought the wrong kind of boats on the river. They they purchased these boats that were designed to go. As I recall, I could be a little wrong in the details, but my recollection is they got these boats that were designed to go really fast in a straight line, which are boats that you'd want to cross like a big lake. Right. Really right. fast in a straight line. That is not good for a river with crazy twists and turns. We're right. already going too fast. <laughs> and so the wrong boats early in the trip, they were like, you know, our boats are a little heavy. We should definitely offload something. I think later on we'll probably find enough food. So let's offload <laughs> hundreds of pounds of food because we don't need it. I mean, we're going to, we'll be fine. And then they all nearly starved to death later in the trip. I mean, stuff like that you learn all along the way, in part because this was a new thing to do, but also in part because these folks were not experienced boats people, were not really 
prepared for this trip in the way that they maybe could have been. And so this particular account of the story kind of paints them as uh, sort of doofuses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, very brave <laughs> to do what they did. And they were obviously incredibly tough to, to stick it out all the way through. But that's a, sort of one perspective on the adventure story. And I actually think Jacqueline's writing of the characters carries a little bit of that sort of like, I don't know that we really know what we're doing here, but yeah. gosh darn it, we're going to do it. We're going to keep trying. And you get, yeah, you get that kind of in some, uh, especially the interpersonal arguments between people like Dunn and Powell have quite a bit of uh, um, contention between them. And one of the things Powell throws into Dunn's face is like, yeah, you're just, you're just here to like hunt basically and discover new things to put your name on. Um, So, so you kind of get that, that, that little, that little bit of a nod to it in amongst their own, like the, just in general, they're having a tough time trying to navigate these <laughs> this river boats capsize more than once um they, they go shooting off of waterfalls um so you definitely get the sense that they're a little in over their heads um uh, but they're still sticking with it and 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 uh, well many of them are still willing to stick with it all the way to the end well and and we know again this is from their down the great unknown book that the ex all the expedition really knew about the mat the pathway through the grand canyon was they knew the elevation at one side and they knew the elevation at the other. And there was a drop of, I'm just making up a number, but say it's a drop of a mile. And what they didn't know was, is that all at once? Or is that in <laughs> two gradual? chunks of half a mile <laughs> down each? Is it a gradual? <laughs> I mean, they just didn't know. And they were like, yeah, well, we might hit a waterfall a mile tall. Now, obviously, that's not right. true. But that, I mean, they truly didn't know. And it's just like, oh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> only one way to find out. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing that like in in my 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 read through for for this second conversation that landed home was just like how how sheer and how dangerous it was in the Grand Canyon itself to get through. Um, like like once you, once they were in there, it was like there's there's a point of no return where like we're not going to be able to climb out, and the only way is forward. So there really isn't any point in arguing anymore about the fact that there's a waterfall in front of us. There's no way out <laughs> if we want to get out. It's forward. Yeah, well, and, and lining and portaging, and this is represented in the play, is just miserable. I mean, it's... Yeah. And so it's like you got to run the rapid and risk death, or you got to line and portage and risk injury and just incredible suffering. I mean, it goes so slowly. It's painful. Your feet get wet because you have to stand in the river, which means you start to develop fungus on your feet. I mean, it's it, it's truly horrible. And I, I, I mean, I'm a outdoor adventure guy uh but the description of this boat trip sounds terrible <laughs> right <laughs> which like to try to segue us into the scene m- m- leads to people needing to leave like both both from that um and both from the the starvation um uh there's there's the scene the the scene that we're going to talk about this the, the, pretty early on in the play they lose a boat um or not early it's like the second act i guess um but they lose a boat and they lose a bunch of food along with the boat uh to the point that like it's it's looking pretty dicey as to whether or not they're going to stick it out or not and goodman decides to um to to say uh you know what i i i don't have to go any further um i kind of got what i was hoping to get out of this 
looks like you don't really need me because we don't have one boat anymore and it would actually be better because there's probably a month left of this if I left and just gave you all the rations that you have packed I'll I'll hike it out of here and try to find a way out and so um, uh, Powell and a number of the others like go with him to try to uh, find find his way out uh, they, they know that there is a, a village a youth village up uh, up on top and they try to go up there and uh, get him a way out back east um, to try to leave um leave leave the expedition yeah so in the original script this is act two scene five uh there is a scene where this little trio or party of explorers meet members of the ute tribe indigenous people up on top of the canyon and um goodman decides to leave the expedition and the ute people give them some food and the writing in that original scene is very dry. The you people have some interesting things to say about like the government and about the foolhardiness of the expedition. Um, and so it ha- it, there's a certain historical sort of perspective that is layered in about the way that the government treated indigenous people and the way that manifest destiny as a concept saw indigenous people who had been living in the land that you were manifest destinying, uh, you know, right. for, for generations. Um, so the new scene that is in the new published edition of the play and is now requ- this is the scene you're required to perform if you do the play uh, replaces that scene with these Ute characters with uh, this exact same context. Powell and the, uh, the the other members of the expedition come up to try to give Goodman a way out and off of the trip. But instead of meeting Ute people, they meet characters two farmers, Johnson and Just Jim. And these are uh, basically they claim to be farmers who the Ute people are letting, uh, you know, work on a little plot of land for their survival and their livelihood nearby uh, where they are. So it replaces entirely the Ute characters in the script. Yeah. And interestingly, these characters are kind of referenced in that original scene, uh, this, the, 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 the Ute characters in the original scene say we'll give you food. Also, there's these farmers that are just starting out. They, they might have rotten food, but we'll, we'll get you hooked up with them as well. Um, and so they, they are mentioned in the original scene, um, and the, the focus is just shifted to them in this, in this kind of rewrite of them. A lot of the same lines are said. Um, uh, there's, there's definitely rewrite that, that happened, large sections of rewrite that happened, but a lot of the same sort of the, that kind of like irony of the government sending them out here and not giving them a plan as far as like a contingency plan is brought up still um, the irony of trying to just to explore on on uh, like a frontier there's my air quotes again um uh, on a frontier when there's people already here is is still explored it's just from the perspective or voiced from johnson and just jim and the you people are referenced uh powell says here's a couple of lines we thought we would be meeting with the utes up here though just jim one of the two farmers says well you know they're a little ways down the road they're kind of sick and tired of dealing with people like you johnson people come around with designs on things so there is and the the scene has many sort of little sections like that where there is sort of a uh, a perspective that the utes have been used by the government and and uh that's sort of the one of the pictures that's painted by the scene 
Um, there's also an interesting note later in the scene that I, as somebody who's about to direct the play, I have no idea really what to do with, which is where <laughs> it's revealed that one of these two guys is uh, Ashley, who led an expedition down the Grand Canyon previously in history, but the expedition failed, uh, and he was the only survivor. Um, and tr- in history, we actually don't know what happened to this guy and this expedition. We know that they went down and that there was some sort of catastrophic danger, and what happened after that, we don't know. This scene sort of suggests that he climbed out and is now a farmer with the Ute people. But the stage direction is like, only he knows this. No one else does. It's right. like as a director, you're like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> and there is mention of Ashley earlier. There's like a name carved into a rock or something with a date. Um, and so, so yeah. But yeah, like, how are you supposed to ever like ground that in, in, well, in a revelation? And the, the guys discuss like there was this previous expedition and they all died. They all died. Are we supposed Everyone's to keep dead. going? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. So, so I, I, so I think the, the 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 change in the script, at least for me, on this read through of the script, with the change of these characters in here, it, I, what what I appreciate about the change is that it really grounds, at least for me, on the reading of it, the sort of like. There's a lot of lines in this play about the the real the the kind of real wonder that some of these explorers felt at what they were experiencing as like a frontier. They were naming things anew. They were doing things unknown. Um, uh, they were they were they were trying to do things for the first time in their history. And uh, and so there's 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 a lot a, a good part of the play that still acknowledges that sort of wonder for these characters. Uh, Dunn has a, a long scene where he's trying to get something named after him, for instance, and the profoundness of being able to name a cliff after himself is is there um coming up out of out of the ravine and meeting these two characters two uh european immigrant farmers um uh, out to here um uh who are who are farming the land lands home another another piece of the play that uh that uh, mr asa does at the very end of the play they get to the end of the play and they arrive and mr asa is there He's been there for a long time. Um, he says, come on over to my house where I, I live. We'll feed you. And there's this, this kind of, this, the ground falls out from under the characters of like, oh, well, we thought we were doing something really new. And they did. They explored the Grand Canyon, but they they arrived in a place where people already were. So to to come out of the canyon at this moment and meet and meet Johnson and just Jim, who have uh, one of them is apparently Ashley, who has who navigated the river before, kind of landed again for me, the, the, the kind of commentary of, this was like this, 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 this myth that was building around we manifest destiny and this frontier that we are claiming isn't actually fully true or, or really true at all. There was there was people who were there, first of all, and people who went before them um, that, that were already there. Yeah, well, and, and, and I'd certainly think that was the point of the original scene that is there. And, and actually, the scene that replaces it really maintains that perspective. Yeah. And, and the, as you said, the characters, just Jim and Johnson, say a lot of the same lines that were in the scene before. It's just that they're no longer Ute characters. And so they're commenting on the Ute characters. As, as part of the pre-production process, we reached out to Jacqueline's agents to ask about, you know, see what information we could get about why this scene was changed. Um, and we got a statement back which said basically that there was a concern from Jacqueline that although she tried to represent, and I hope I'm 
representing her point of view on this fairly. This is just how she described it in the statement. But that although she had attempted this sort of earnest representation of indigenous people and the value of putting those people on stage, there was a feeling that this encounter with these people was still based on a white man's perspective. Powell, the expedition leader, on whose journals are the basis of this play. And there was a feeling that this perspective on these indigenous people still came from the pen of a white man and his experience of them rather than a more genuine, earnest perspective. And there's some uncomfortability about that kind of representation. Uh, and, and so that is one of the reasons why the scene was changed, that there, this was, it's a, it's what, because this play has so much to say about the telling of history, the way that you tell history has to be very important. carefully considered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, the kind of shifting and the, the line of they're tired of dealing with you all coming up here with designs, um, is, is, is a really impactful way to kind of uh, shift that just a little bit. Um, and, and then, then, uh, uh, kind of, uh, cement again, each time they come up out of the Canyon, there's someone there waiting for them, <laughs> um, is, is just like this, this great dynamic of like, yeah, we're all alone in this, in this wild, wild world. <laughs> and oh, oh, there's people here. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I I think too that there is a a dryness from the characters. I'm actually from Johnson and Just Jim that is uh, has its own kind of comedy. What I'll be interested to see uh, is whether. Like I have a perspective on this scene because I know the original scene, right? And so we're about to do this sure. play for a bunch of people who I would assume don't know the original scene. I yeah. mean, there's going to be a handful that do, but generally of the, you know, several hundred people that come to the play across a weekend, most of them aren't going to know that this was actually a different scene before and it had indigenous people and said a lot of the same lines. And that's why there's some comedy there. So I, I think it will be an interesting discovery process of what is this scene if you don't know that there was another scene before it? Where is the comedy in it without being referential to something now nobody will ever see? Right, right, right. I, I'm excited to hear how that so how how that goes. How the, like the cast is able to interact with that. Also, how the audience receives it. I'm excited to see like like to kind of hear how you join the the current of the excitement of this play um, around like the staging of it. The the I mean this this isn't uh, the themed month around magic, but there is kind of a magic thing that has to happen in this play. There is robust stage directions about canyons and and uh, sunsets and there's so and the many way. stage directions. That are just like <laughs> majesty, beauty, right. the the oppressive geology of the canyon. Right, boy. As a director, it's like ah. We'll find some some way to, to, to do that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's an exciting challenge, and I'm I'm very yeah. excited to work on it. Yeah, no, excited excited to hear about it. We're coming down to the end of our conversation, our new chat about this script that we have had the privilege of getting to con converse about over the course of now like two-ish years. It's been, it's been a part of the kind of no script conversations. Excited to kind of continue the conversation with all of you out there in podcast land. As we said at, in our, in our uh, original episode, we know for sure that some of our listeners have been in this play and read this play. Um, 
And uh, if you're looking for folks to chat about this play with, we'd love to be the people that do that, whether uh, you reach out directly to us or to the community of uh, the No Script podcast community and have conversations. Uh, great ways to do that are social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the username at No Script Podcast. We also have a Gmail, noscriptpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites, and we'd love to keep talking about men on boats with you. Absolutely. If you've liked this episode, this re-conversation, if you've liked any of our other episodes, including last week's re-conversation that you can check out, you can find us on Podbean, on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, where a link to the new episode will appear every week. As we go through this month, we'll also be putting out links to the original conversations on our Facebook as well. So that'd be an easy way to check those out without having to scroll back through and find the episode from a previous time. So those are the places you can connect with us. Please do. We hope you do. Until then, we will see you next week for another conversation, another re-conversation, another new conversation (laughs) about another great script. Absolutely. Until then, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script the Podcast.